This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Wednesday, December the 7th, 2022. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for Bama Online, alongside site publisher Tim Watts and man. Do we have some ground to cover with you today on the podcast between the college football playoff, between Alabama's assignment to the Sugar Bowl for a matchup with Kansas State, between Alabama men's hoops traveling to number one Houston on Saturday. A lot of ground to cover, maybe even some Heisman Trophy talk. We'll certainly get into the BOL roundtable mailbag as well, but man, Tim, it is a five-star weekend coming up in Tuscaloosa, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big one. I mean, we're winding down. You know, it's seeing, you know, basically for us, covering recruiting, we're counting down the days. Like, when, when are we getting to that period? It's such a weird time of year. I can't believe, I still can't believe, I mean, you, you know, you can put away the holiday season, Chris, you know, into think, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all of that's enough for most people. And then you add the signing period. They tossed that bad boy in there a few days before Christmas, December 21st and 23rd. Then they, hey, let's drop the portal in here. Let's see what's happening. You know what we really oh, need? No. We need a bunch of coaching rumors and changes <laughs> to go with it. So we'll we'll make that work. But yeah, Alabama's expecting a you know a group. You know they've waited on for a while. James Smith, the five star from Carver High School in Montgomery, big monster, dancing bear in every definition. Might be the dead. dancing bear. We love the dancing bears here. Yeah. I mean that's. I'm telling you, James is rare air, you know, because you see – and I'm look, I defend defensive linemen, always have. You see them, you know, you have people go and watch them at a game, and they say he doesn't go 100% the whole time. They, they usually don't at 330 pounds, let's be honest. Uh, they have to be smart, when to conserve their energy and all that kind of stuff. You know, you see them at the high school level. They're bored with the competition. James is none of those things. He is a 24-7 Sideline to sideline, dancing bear, active, hits you. He's just got that motor. I mean, he's just a very, very uh, special type player. He's coming to visit Alabama officially. Um, it should be his last official. I guess they could change it, take another one to Auburn. They said they were not. There's a duo, him and Quay Rousseau. Um, But uh, this should be their last official visit unless they add another one. George is involved. Florida in home, you know, Billy Napier sent the whole staff up there. Um, Alabama, Charles Kelly, Freddie Roach, Coleman, and uh, Pete Golding were with them the whole day yesterday in Montgomery. We saw at the bat, they went and saw James' basketball game last night. And he fancies himself a basketball player at 300 plus pounds, dropped 18 last night. So James, a special kind of player, is coming in. And then Quay Russaw. You know, edge out, you know, edge linebacker type prospect. The thing about these two guys that's amazing to me is like every time I see one of their highlight tapes, I go, nah, Quay's better. Quay's better than James when I watch Quay. And then they'll put out the highlight tapes of James for the same game. And I'll go, oh, man, no, James is better. They're both phenomenal 
football players. Quay's another guy that's sideline to sideline. Uh, every play, you know, is almost like his last play. Vicious. You know, he's a menace. He's a menace. He'll run you down. He's got that speed. He's built. I mean, he's just a ripped kid um, in every aspect physically. Looks like a grown man. I don't think if you put him, you know, if you put him in a college playoff game this weekend, if you rolled him off the bus for a uh, for a bowl game in a couple of weeks, he would look, you would have no doubt he was a starter and headed for the NFL. Both of them incredibly uh, gifted uh, athletes, good kids, quiet. You know, the thing I appreciate about them is these were a couple of guys that said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of our recruiting during this during the summer." They took visits to Georgia, they took visits to Auburn, Alabama, and all those places. And then when it came time for the season, they said, "We're going to focus on our season, and any visits we're going to take are going to be fun." And they did. They went to Auburn a few times, Alabama a few times. They've been to Alabama State. They've been to Georgia. So they did exactly what they said they were going to do. We're two days from signing day, the start of signing day, and they did exactly what they were said they were going to do. So a lot of people excited for that visit. Uh, Nick Saban wanted a late December visit, so he's got it. So both those guys are going to be, you know, seeing the red carpet rolled out. And also Desmond Ricks, this guy's pretty interesting. You know, don't know as much about him. Recently classified up to the 24, reclassified from uh, the 24 class to the 23 class. He's a five-star defensive back. I'm not as familiar with him as a player. I know LSU and Alabama seem to be battling. Florida's probably in there a little bit more than people are talking about. So three five-stars coming in. And a guy I personally really likes, Arian Carter from Tennessee. He took his official visit to Tennessee last week. This week he's taking his official visit to Alabama. Um, you know you know how this business works. You kind of throw out the, 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 the hottest name He's he's got a little Harold Perkins in him and the fact that he's not, you know, Perkins is so good. People think he's bigger than he is. They think he's as big as Micah Parsons and he's not, but he's phenomenal. But he's small, a little bit smaller and he's fast. And Arian Carter's that way. He's a heat seeking missile. Very, very, very violent um, and, and, you know, relishes the contact. So that's the early list. We're still going to dig a little bit deeper. It's only. It's only Wednesday. There could be some more guys coming in, some possible commitments and all that. But, you know, if it's just those four, it's a it's a it's an action packed uh, weekend. So with so much of this focus, Tim, on closing out the early portion of the 2023 recruiting cycle, how much of Alabama's portal work right now is being done out of the public view? I got to think all of it, really. I mean, uh there's a there's a delicate balance that we've talked about here, here on the podcast in the past we've seen a number of Alabama players go into the portal but as far as what Alabama might do um, in terms of bringing in portal guys where, where does that kind of sit right now yeah I think it's just they're in that you know we saw that in the past where we would see a name and if you remember last year it was hey you know Ricks is coming Ricks is coming but it take you know it's not as simple as he hits the portal and they take them. They got to check their grades. And there was guys last year, and you know I've said this several times. I don't think it's really resonated. There were several guys across the nation who, when they decided mentally to trans to transfer, that they simply quit going to college. They quit going to school. So there's a lot of them that ran into eligibility issues where they couldn't even they couldn't even go to couldn't even transfer. They had to be eligible at their school in order to transfer. So um, 
So there's a lot to check out. You got to check out grades. You got to check out off the field and all that kind of stuff. But I imagine all a lot of the portal. I hope a lot of the portal is being done, you know, quietly behind closed doors for any kid. I hope they're not just out here. You know, I know this isn't the case. A lot of them are just out here freestyling. But um, yeah. I would that all of them had a game plan going in. Of the players that you've seen enter the portal, including quarterbacks in this, is there a couple that just have struck you? Not necessarily because you have intel or we have intel as to what Alabama's interest might be in some of these guys, but is there one or two so far that, and I know you updated maybe some of this on the roundtable for us in the last day or so, a guy or two from elsewhere that you thought, wow, that could make a lot of sense for Alabama. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I mean, I'll be honest, the portal's been, like, disappointing for me. <clears throat> we had, you know, I, I, I mean, I know it was a lot of it was the fans, but, oh, man, it's going to be crazy on Monday. And it was crazy, but it wasn't really, like, insane. I mean, it was a lot of people, but it wasn't, like, a lot of huge names were going in. Yeah. Or anything like that, you know. You were, you know, they were, you know, you were expecting, you know, you know, the the best players in the nation to be in there for some reason. And then it got awful quiet yesterday. It got so quiet, I thought I wasn't paying enough attention. <laughs> text like, what am I missing? They're like nothing. So um, yeah, I mean, there's always guys you can see that can help you in the portal. I mean, the, you know, I, I don't haven't did deeper dives in a lot of these guys. Some of these guys, I'm limited in how much I've seen them, but. The quarterback at NC State's pretty good football player. The two times I saw him <clears throat> has a lot of experience. You know, the one I, I dropped a nugget on this, but Jaheim Bell, mm-hmm. that's from South Carolina, that was connected to Alabama because of uh, Joe Cox was on that South Carolina staff when he was there. I think Florida, Florida State could also factor into some other schools. But I was told right away, exactly a week before he hit the portal, that if he hits the portal, Alabama's going to be a school he looks at. I like him. He's a versatile guy. Didn't have, like, huge numbers. But, you know, they used him at running back. They used him at tight end. They had him all over the field. So he's a guy. But, yeah, there's definitely guys in there. In there. You know, you look at the defensive line, and there's been some guys. But overall, I mean, I, you know, I'm still waiting just to see the finished product. And I can't believe it goes through January 18th, to be honest with you. So, um we probably still have some twists and turns coming in the portal. Wild also to think if I had told you maybe two or three years ago, look, DJ Ungolele is going to hit the portal out of Clemson and it wouldn't create maybe as much buzz as you would think in relation to say a program like Alabama. And obviously part of that goes back to the season he's had at Clemson, really the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, there was so much talk about Bryce or DJ when they were coming out of that same area, Southern California, and going to their respective places. But uh, just amazing to see the difference and how those paths and those routes have kind of taken both those guys. Yeah, I think the portal, that's one thing it does is like, I think you can be a talented, it's not directly about DJ, but I think you can be a talented football player and just get in a rut. You know what I mean? I feel like JoJo, yeah. who hit the portal, is kind of that way for Alabama where the injuries and there were some drops and, you know, you know, also Jojo was homesick. That played a big factor in it. I'm told. So um, when you add all those little things together, I think sometimes, you know, a change of scenery can be good. And maybe that's the case for DJ, obviously, you know, I never thought when it came down to quarterback talent, quarterback skills, I never thought Bryce and DJ were particularly close. I thought Bryce was clearly the better quarterback, um, 
And that's not a slam on DJ. I thought Bryson High School was as good a prospect as you'll see. And, of course, you have the, you know, the Knox was his size, which are the still, still the same Knox, the same questions you have. And DJ was a much bigger kid. But maybe, you know, DJ goes to the right place. You know, sometimes you get a different ear, you know, you know, a different voice in your ear that can teach you a little bit. We've seen that in sports, um, you know, but, you know, you know, it's it's a uh, it's probably a humbling experience. So you kind of touched on Jojo Earl uh, impact of Alabama departures that we've seen to this point via the transfer portal. I got to think Javion Cohen's up there near the top of that list. You, you talk about multiple receivers that have made their way. Uh, what three at least? Trayshawn, JoJo Earl, Christian Leary, uh, three offensive linemen. Uh, the defensive side of the ball's been hit on that uh, in that way as well. But uh, where do you kind of stack some of those guys up in terms of impact for Alabama moving forward? To me, any live body on the offensive line, you know, you lose that live body, it's a miss, you know. Um, Kite, I don't know if Amari, and I like Amari. He's from he's at Thompson High School where I live. Good kid. We we did his commitment video. He's a great kid, loves Alabama. I'm pretty sure he got his degree. I saw that. Um, I think it just comes down to he could compete at Alabama, but can he start at Alabama? So he definitely could compete and make that room better. But at the same time, you know, there, you know, Tyler Steen still hasn't even decided if he's going pro. And I've got some NFL feedback that uh, that he's been recommended to go back to college for another year. Whether he will or not, I have no idea. Um, but you got J.C. Latham. So there's a chance, you know, he just wants to go somewhere and get that automatic lock in starting position and play. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's uh, for a lot of kids, it's better to, you know, for anybody who's a real ball player, you know, if you're a basketball player, it's better, you know, it's better to play basketball at UAB than sit on the bench in Kentucky, you know, if you want to mm-hmm. play. And I think that's the case in football with Alabama. And he's going to have some interest. With Cohen, you know, he was just a different kind of guy. I mean, he was committed to South Carolina and Wolford, actually, at South Carolina, I believe. And uh, Alabama's offensive line coach. And so I did have the Auburn situation, flipped to Alabama. Had some stuff going on. I think he's a change of scenery guy. Not some staff was not surprised at all to see him going in um, at all. Maybe Amari was the you know one they were a little bit disappointed about because of uh, he could have competed. He was a good kid. Every body liked being around him. But for the most part, you know I think all of this was pretty much expected. It was just so much on the offensive line. And when you look, I mean on the offensive line to me. And when you look at it, you've got. Um, you know, it looks like a lot if you're an Alabama fan. I think there's 13 in the portal. But if you look around, there's a lot of people with double digits. I mean, Clemson had nine the last time I looked. So there's a lot of people with double digits. And you can't expect really to sign a 30-plus signing class or even get to that number and not lose some guys. So I think, you know, you know, sort of filtering through here, a lot of this was the COVID, as we've discussed, the evaluations. And I'm not talking about Alabama. I'm talking about across the country. And it's not just mm-hmm. the evaluations. But how many of these kids didn't really get to vet every college? You know what I mean? They didn't get to take the visit. Two-way street, yeah. Absolutely. They might get to a place and they are not don't like it as much as they did. I mean, you, you know, go back to James Smith and Quay Russo. My gosh, they have seen Alabama double-digit times. They've seen Auburn, you know, over a handful of times. They've seen Georgia over a handful of times. They did a lot of vetting and uh, at that. But those kids in COVID, it was just locked down. You know, Alabama – during COVID, the only visitor I was ever aware of was uh, Robbie Oots. 
And him and his dad just drove to the campus to see it. Don't didn't meet a coach, didn't see a coach. Coaches weren't even on campus. Just drove around and looked at the place to see it. So yeah, like post apocalypse or something. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a different world. I think you know we've kind of forgot how weird the world was. You know, back then, but I didn't. I couldn't get Taco Bell. I knew like <laughs> I knew this world. You know, so you, you again a two way street evaluation. Is he a good fit and all that stuff? And you know, just a total different you know, total different situation. We're seeing a lot of those guys hit the portal. Yeah, it's going to be some opportunities. We heard Nick Saban talk about once the bowl assignments came out as far as young guys. And we had already seen that, though, really, at places like wide receiver. You already see in Kendrick Law. You already see in Kobe Prentice. You already see in Isaiah Bond. Uh, potential for even more of that now. And you know, when you, th- you think about tackle now with Brockermeyer in there and Kite, uh, boy, Elijah Pritchett. He could end up being the third tackle for the bowl game. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it looks at, I mean, if you react, and this is like, you know, recruiting and building a roster is much like a football game. And anybody that's seen the the football threads or basketball threads or any sports threads on any message board knows that there's a lot of freaking out in the first. It's not necessarily there in the fourth quarter. Um, we're still, you know, we're in the, you know, maybe we're in the middle of the third quarter, but trying to build a roster, you know, there could be guys in the portal you can get to fill those voids or, you know, obviously there's going to be incoming freshmen, um, uh, that, that could come in and fill that. But, you know, see that, you know, see a lot of that in the spring. I mean, right now you got eight offensive linemen, you know, you got four or five signed Alabama's still taking a shot at Caden Proctor, the Iowa commitment Mm -hmm. from Iowa. I think, uh, Eric Wolford and Freddie Roach are actually meeting him today. Kids always liked Alabama, just hasn't pulled the trigger on leaving home. But he's a physically guy who could come in and compete. Um, physically, he could come in and compete and try to push that. And that's what you're looking for. But, you know, all in all, I'd say the portal hasn't been like extremely, you know, I, I mean, I've seen teams lose, you know, Mississippi State lost one of their best receivers to the portal. And I mean, Mike Leach doesn't even run the ball. They don't even sign running backs, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, but if he throws the hell out of it to those running backs, man. Yeah. You I, know? I had like, you know, this wasn't a playing time issue. The guy's one of the leading receivers. Oh yeah. Team. So Alabama to me has came away relatively unscathed. And, uh, and of course they're finishing, you know, I think, you know, Nick state Saban has always did things in stages. We talked about that. You know, it's real cool. There's a lot of recruit, you know, it's real quiet up to June. Then they do the camps. There's this huge recruiting push. And then they go to spring practice. Recruiting kind of slacks off. And then, you know, you get up here. Now they're full recruiting because the season's over. I think that's what they're doing now. They're full recruiting mode because you've got a window. You've got uh, December 23rd is the last day to sign. So you got December 21st to December 23rd. And then from that 23rd through January 18th, you've got time to do your transfer portal and your evaluations and your vetting and all that. I mean, I'm sure they're doing both while, you know, preparing. They'll be preparing for a bowl soon enough, but um, they, they're kind of doing it in stages. And I think stage number one, the priority is to finish the uh, this for, uh, recruiting class. And just trying to figure out what this bowl roster is going to look like, starting at the quarterback position with Bryce Young, going over to the defensive side of the ball. What does Will Anderson do? Uh, you know, those are the things that we're waiting on right now. Do you have a feel either way with those guys? Uh, would anything surprise you at this point with either one of them? Nothing would surprise me. I mean, they're the two kind of guys. I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if they say we're going to play. I'm not going to be even a tiny bit surprised. <clears throat> Bryce and will play at the same time. I can see the, 
<clears throat> that, that don't play, which is what most people will do in that situation. Um, and I'm torn. I'll be honest. I'm torn. I'd love to see Bryce at quarterback one more time. You know, you know, the competitive person in me says, go out there, build your best team and, you know, play Kansas State, who's a who's a good opponent. Um, but at the end of the day, that game's not going to matter in the long term of history. It's not going to help you at all next year, one way or the other, without sort of getting that. I'd, I'd love to say, like, I don't even know, can Tyler Simpson even play in this game? He's played in four games, right? Can he play? He has. You know, we talked about this with Charlie earlier in the week on the podcast. Eli Drinkwitz, the coach from Missouri, has filed a waiver request for Missouri players that have played in four games to be able to play in the bowl game, even though it would be their fifth game and not cost them their red shirt. I haven't heard what type of response he's gotten to that, but man, with all these guys that are going via the portal and the, the depth issues that teams are going to have, um, yeah, that, that could be an interesting thing to keep an eye on in relation to perhaps if Bryce doesn't play, how that impacts Ty Simpson. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah but you're to, right about that. I'd love to see Jalen and Todd, you know, get in there yeah. and get 60, 40 reps. I'd love to see. It's almost like an extended, uh, uh, an early uh, spring practice. At the same time, I don't know. You know, Kansas State's probably going to have everybody playing. I don't know if you just want to sling them in there in that situation. But it'd be a good test. You know what I mean? It's going to be a good sure. test. I've seen a lot of comparisons to New Orleans and uh, the year that they lost to Utah. I was actually there. I go to this game, too. Um and I can see the comparisons, but I do think it's a different Alabama's depth talents a lot better now than it was that year. They lost to Utah. I'm not saying Kansas state is a good football team. I like to watch them, but I do think Alabama can put a competitive team out there, but obviously the quarterback position, it's not going to surprise me if Bryce plays, if he sits out, I would, I personally think he a thousand percent wants to play. Sure. I think he absolutely, you know, wants to play. And that's not the case we've seen in the history of these guys, you know, everybody said, of course, they're, a lot of these guys did play. I mean, we don't forget the uh, Michigan game when Max started at quarterback. You had Henry Ruggs out there. You had Jerry Judy out there. You know, they were going pro. Uh, you had Smitty out there. Obviously, wasn't going pro, but could have went pro. Um, you had a lot of that. You know, a lot of that talent out there. So, yeah, there's uh, there's 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 uh, there's an understandability, I guess you could call it either way, uh, in those decisions because even in last year's Sugar Bowl, you saw Matt Corral break his ankle I think it was against Baylor and look Matt Corral didn't have as much on the line as Bryce Young has yeah uh, but I'll Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien's not going to run the option with Bryce no. <laughs> Lane would run the hell out of Matt Corral wouldn't he? Where <laughs> out, man. he was like I mean, Lane told Matt I got you don't worry about it then runs him about 30 times in the first half I'll never forget that I was getting rapid fire reactions from people it was, you know, even Bama fans were like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. Like it was a national championship game or something, I mean, you know? Yeah. So I wouldn't expect that. Or maybe you get, maybe if he plays, you get a quarter, you get a half. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's it interesting. It's hard to speculate. You know what I mean? I know the advice he's getting and I understand the, uh, the advice he's getting. And I see, like you said, I see both sides of it. You know, he's a competitor who wants to play, um, you know, he's not a guy that takes a lot of hits and, uh, but he is, you know, he, you know, he is, he's, he's a, he's a fire competitor. Same for Will. Uh, what about it? You said you might make the trip to new Orleans. So give us things to do in new Orleans that won't get you arrested. Listen, from, I'm uh, telling you, I, I tell my friends, <laughs> the new Orleans, 
Look, the New Orleans naysayers always say, oh, Bourbon Street smells like pee. I love it, man. Who's, I love New Orleans. Do y'all think that is? That's called that's called charm is what do that's y'all called. y'all think it's the guy who owns the bar walking out to pee <laughs> on his wall? It's y'all that thinks it smells like pee. Pee. Yeah. And you by know? the way, maybe get out of the French Quarter a little bit. There's more well, to New Orleans dude, than that. Absolutely. You know? You're kidding me? There's so much more. You go uptown, there's shops and so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so much you can do. Carrollton District. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You go to the Garden District. And also, you know, you're an hour, hour and a half away from some of the best plantations. Um, Oak Alley Plantation. Um, I was, you know, anybody probably seen that. That's the one with the road. It's got the trees coming over the top. It's beautiful. Uh, they have Laura Plantation. That's one of the oldest, maybe the oldest Creole plantation house out there. They've got, um, i tell you one thing that's never failed. Got, do they have Candyland? From Django? No, no, I didn't think so. That's a love that. I might watch that movie. Oh, geez. Yeah, I love that movie. I mean, Samuel Jackson. I don't know. Oh, Samuel L. Yeah, and uh, Jamie Fox. Unbelievable. Crazy is like you can watch any movie in the eighties and nineties before he was popular. He's always like the homeless guy under a bridge or the uh, assistant football. He just like had the most random roles. Like he was a complete role player. But I'll tell you one thing in New Orleans, I think a lot of people love, and I've never had anybody complain about this, but it's the World War II Museum they've got over uh, there. I thought you were going to say Bubba Gump Shrimp, but yeah, oh. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, that's not bad. No, you're right about the museum, man. That's a – everybody should do that. People love it. Yeah, that's something you could do for you guys going to the game, obviously walking around. I wouldn't just stay on you know, Canal – is a different animal. There's pretty good shops out there, but there's a lot of, you know, it's a, it's, it's not as, uh, you know, uh, tourist friendly as far as walking around and all that. You get harassed a little bit like any big city. Yeah. Same on Bourbon Street. You know, if you're drunk and have your shirt off at 2 a.m., you could have trouble. But there's so much more to that city. I mean, there's the insectarium for people who are taking going there with their kids. It's an insect museum. It's the only one I've ever been into. The food's phenomenal. Um, the Pelicans will be playing on December 30th, the night before the Alabama game. That's one of the reasons we're considering going. Um, obviously, walking around the quarter is uh, is still good, especially in the daytime. You get around Jackson Square and the and the you know you want the beignets. Everybody wants you know Cafe de Mons, the famous beignet place with the green. 11 a.m. kickoff, man. Go get some beignets and get after it. Hey, I'll tell you though, for you guys that want to be pros, there's a. Uh, uh, on Bourbon Street, there's a uh, Cafe Beignet, which is the same thing as Cafe de Monde. It's got a great area. It's off to the side. It's sort of out of place on Bourbon Street, but it's off, you know, it's on Bourbon. Is it like Costco Cafe du Monde? Is that where you're sending us? No, no I mean, you can't. Right. It's, it's a pastry covered in sugar. I mean, you could cook it. <laughs> I know. I'm you know, a green egg or a pellet grill. It's going to be good. You know what I mean? It's, you can yeah, it's pretty much fried. So Cafe you're not going to go wrong with it. Yeah, Cafe Beignet is a place you can sit down, less crowded. They have a little jazz band there. So, um, yeah, the chicory, chicory coffee. Chicory. Yes, yes, yes. We'll probably start – we'll definitely start a thread for those going. And there'll be – there's other New Orleans fans on the board. They'll have great trips too. But absolutely, the food, you know, everybody does rightly think of Bourbon Street when you think of New Orleans. But it's a lot – sees a lot more than that. I got I got one for you. Go uh, – Get you a Redfish Charter uh, just south. Go down to Jean Lafitte, a little uh, fishing town down there. It's about 40 minutes south of 
downtown New Orleans and go to Rojas Charters. Those are my pals there. And you literally pull up to the dock in the car and then you step on the dock and then you step in a pimped out, rigged out red fishing boat. They take you to the fish. It's like going to the grocery store to pick up fresh seafood. They put you on the fish. They bait your hook. They do, they'll do what they'll do as much or as little as you want. They'll show you where to throw your bait, where to cast, and then you will proceed to limit out on redfish, drum, and trout. How does that sound? Sounds pretty good. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Something else you something else you can do there. Yeah. Uh, again, again, the people that go, you know, the Pelicans played the 76ers on the 30th. It's yeah. Like Orleans travel brochure. I'm telling you, the Pelicans game. It's going to be a fun trip, man. It's a lively event. The team is really good. You know, they're yeah. See they Herb. Hey, yeah, her could be playing. Maybe is Kyra with him, or is he still in? He's with like the, rehab. I see him. He's he's coming back yeah. in shape. He's got a a tough competition there. He's got to beat out Devonta Graham because Jose Alvarez. Uh-huh. He plays a nice had thirty eight on uh, Sunday, but uh, that team's fun. The food's good. You know, it's, it's it's over there by that. So anybody has questions, you can ask us on the round table. But all right, moving on from our <laughs> New Orleans. Oh, I think it's good. You got to talk about it. Hey, but I, you know, you know me, I could talk about that in New York all day. I know, I know. But we talk about Alabama missing the college football playoff, and you know what the narrative shifts to, right? This is this is pretty much it. This is the downside. Which I, I mean, yeah, I guess it is the downside. Nick Saban's already won six national championships at Alabama. You thought he was going to win fifteen? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're on the downside. But I wanted to throw this at you, Tim. And this is an over-under for future national championships under Nick Saban at Alabama. I put the number at one and a half. You going to go over or under that? I would I would feel comfortable thinking one more. Two, yeah. I, it just depends. There's so much parity. You know, he's going to be 72 years old. Yes, I don't. You know, I don't. I might be crazy. I don't think I've never talked to anybody that knows Nick Saban that thinks he's mentally slower now than he was. I mean, they, of course, they say he's softer and you know uh, and all that stuff. I haven't really found that particularly. I think he just kind of wind down. You can still yell. What was that country song? I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm a I'm as good once as I ever was. I think yeah, kind of what you know. You get in that old older age and I'm, you know, I'm heading there too, where I can, I don't yell as much, but I still can yell when I do. So uh, I still get my money's worth. So I would say one, and then, you know, you get to that 12 team playoff, which I think benefits Alabama. Um, That's really going to piss people off. They don't even know it yet. That's what's funny about it. Oh, dude, wait till some four loss yeah. teams come flip flopping in there. You know what I mean? It's going to be, uh, yeah. it's going to be wild. Yeah. It's going to be something else. Those schedules are going to be matter. And, of course, I'm torn on even whether they do that or not. You know, that to me is still uh, 12. I just think 4 to 12 is quite the leap. You know what I mean? I figured it eight, is. I thought 8 would be the next step. I mean, you know, I'm a basketball guy. You love basketball. I do it in increments of of the of the NCAA tournament, 64, 32, 16, 8, and 4. So, for me, the regression, the progression would have been 4 to 8, you know, then 8 to 12, and it would have been backwards. But – 12 is just, you know, it's going to be a lot of teams, you know, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot happening. So you're thinking probably under the one and a half. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, Cause that's would, where I'm going. I'm going under. I would, think, I would think one, you know, without a panic, but boy, I'll tell you what, it doesn't take, 
I've seen Alabama do it. We saw USC do it back in the day. We've seen Georgia do it. When you get it right, you just ride it. You know what I mean? You just ride it. You know, you ride it out. I mean, I saw the this, you know, you got Stetson Bennett at the Heisman Trophy Award. I mean, when the magic's the magic. And, boy, that was a lot of debate this week. Um, the Tennessee guy was left out. And, Who the hell wins the Heisman? Your boy Caleb Williams with F Utah on his fingernails. After he did F and D, you know, and uh, F- did him. you see that? Where he, where he painted yeah. F bomb Utah on his fingernails and then the karma catches up to him with the pop hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he didn't pop your hamstring in the first quarter and play three more. By the way, that's that's well, uh, if you're going to paint F Utah on your fingernails, you better be ready to play through a popped hamstring. Right. I mean, if you're going to go to that extent. Oh, yeah. 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 You got to you, you got you yeah, to Ronnie audit and amputate yeah. amp, amputate a pinky or something. The high to me, like this year, this was a year. I, I mean, I felt the Tennessee kids should be in it for sure. I do, too. I don't I don't should be in New York. Yeah. I don't understand why he's not in it. I mean, injury did. I mean, he had, you know, he had three or four touchdown passes in the game. He was injured against South Carolina. Yeah. His, his wins, you know, that meant nothing. That meant nothing for most of these guys. I mean, you know, you know, mm-hmm. they that he played at a level to be a Heisman, especially this year of all years. I don't have a problem with anybody that was in it. I mean, I don't have a problem. I mean, Stetson Bennett, I would have him in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have him in it. He's back to back going to college football playoffs. He's the weirdest story you've ever seen. He was at Georgia as a walk-on, left Georgia, came back. You know, lost, Remember, he lost his start job to JT Daniels, who's yeah. headed to another college from I saw a tweet yesterday that said JT Daniels will have played college football next year in seven different years. Yeah. Seven different yeah. years. COVID, these COVID quarterbacks, man, it's time to cycle them out. I mean, we got these 25, 26 – year old quarterbacks come on bros i mean you know hey enough time to leave it to the kids we got some guys that are like members you know stetson bennett you know he gets the senior discount at the bookstore he gets 20 percent off at the damn georgia bookstore three games this year i was listening to and they were all quarterbacks going on 25 yeah state tennessee and georgia and And he's uh, got an nil deal with aarp you know and then hooker does yeah, oh, absolutely. So Old cats. Guys, some of these guys are like, you know, they're in, they're like Frank the Tank. You know? <laughs> so they're just guys that are, you know, seven, eight years. Best six or seven years of my life for college football. Now, I don't I don't know with, uh, you know, for me, Stetson should have definitely been there. Stroud, you know, I could have went either way. I mean, nah, the yeah. tra- no, the, you know, the Travis. I would have put Bryce there over Stroud. I would have had Bryce there as a token. Bryce and Hooker. Yeah, I would have had Bryce there. As a token after winning it and obviously being, you know what it was. This was the year for Will Anderson to win it, though. If you really think oh, about, about it, yeah. This this would have yeah, or any def- you know any defensive player that, could or even a Brock Bowers or a tight end like Absolutely. that. And I'm shocked, Brock Bowers. Now I guess his production was down, but early to start the year, who dude, he was you know he's having like 78 yard reverses and yep. stuff you just don't see from tight end. I mean, it's going to be. Probably the most interesting Heisman to some people. And I mean, I don't even know if I'll watch the ceremony. Of course, I don't watch any of the ceremonies now. I think I watched the winner. I watched the last 10 minutes of it or whatever. What, what is Caleb Williams thinking, though, with the F Utah and F Notre Dame stuff on his fingernails? What I mean, what is Lincoln Riley thinking? Letting him do well, it? That, that's what I'm saying. What it tells you is there's no one around Caleb Williams who can tell him, hey, bro, no. 
that's not what we're doing here. And if and if you're a mentor type to him, you got to be saying, you know, understand this also can impact you at the next level. You think NFL teams like to see that, Tim? You're going to be the face of the franchise, and I understand he's immature, all that, whatever. But as you said, and I agree wholeheartedly, obviously there's no one around Caleb Williams who has that authority to tell him you're not doing that today. Apparently. I think, I think part, you know, you got to remember when you're young, you, you, you know, you misread situations. I did. I think most young people do, where you think this is going to show how competitive this is swagger. Right. But it doesn't show you're competitive. You know what I mean? Shows you're, you know, exceptionally shows, immature at best and dumb at worst. It shows that like you're playing a really good team that you should have respected. And to, I mean, I would be embarrassed, you know, and also a quarterback to do it's insane. I mean, if it's a defensive back, I mean, right. if it's like, you know, if it's like some linebacker, Jalen Ramsey or something, if it's like the middle linebacker in the program, you remember my boy, yeah, ankle, Brian Bosworth. Yeah. If it's those guys, Ruben Foster, any of those guys, I get it. Cause they're just destructive. And they think destructive, and I, I get a defensive guy, but a quarterback, a small one to hurt his hamstring running. No, I don't. I don't think that's a that's a good. And they and they kicked their ass pretty good. So yeah, it kind of came around. I thought with the with the fingernail, but no, it will be an interesting Heisman ceremony coming up this weekend. Man, you still got Alabama involvement heavily in the National Football League. Kind of a tough one for Tua. I don't think he ever wants to see Levi Stadium ever again after the Dolphins' defeat at the hands of a 49er team. Boy, you talk about pass rush and with getting Armstead back on that defensive front to go with Bosa. That wasn't particularly good time timing for Tua. Um, but uh, D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico, that D.C. for the Niners. Can, can we go ahead and let everybody know D'Amico's not coming back to Alabama as a defensive coordinator? Can, can we get that cleared up, Tim? Do you not remember last year when I said, I think at some point D'Amico could be mentioned as a head coach at Alabama? I wanted him to get the Jacksonville job last year. But do you yeah. remember when I said that and people were like, whoa, my favorite people are, hold it, pump the brakes. I love He's it. coming back to Alabama as assistant oh, linebackers coach. He loves Bama. It's just hold it, pump the brakes now. He's only a defensive coordinator of the NFL. Really <laughs> what? Hard to do, which is really hard to do, by the way. And right. Only, not only is he a defensive coordinator in the NFL, he's maybe the best defensive coordinator right yeah, now. Yeah, Tim, but so, he loves Bama, Tim. I mean, I remember D'Amico. D'Amico, there's nothing that's going to shock me he does. He's a three-star kid with just a couple of offers. Um, great player at Alabama. I mean, remember we against Texas Tech and Mike Leach. Just had great. Uh, football player. None of this is particularly, you know, surprising to me. Now I don't know if he wants to be NFL guys. Tend, you know, if I'm an NFL, if I'm D'Amico Ryan's, I'm not quick to jump back into college football. He's never has he ever coach. He's never, never done anything that indicates he wants to coach well, in college. No, yeah, no, no. I've never heard anything. But, I mean, you get a head coaching job at a. He did like the NFL internship to start. Yeah. To get into coaching, well, he played, dude, it seemed like he was playing two years ago. But if you get, um, you know, this isn't the time to experience college coaching for the first time. So that would be a a no for me. And even the you know the guys that I know in the NFL that I've been talking to, they they're amazed. Like when they call me, you know, I usually get a you know they have that Sunday game. They get that Monday off a lot of times, and 
uh, they'll call me like, dude, what is going on? Because they're just seeing smidgets. You know, they're playing it all week wow. game, and they're seeing tweets and this and that and all that. They're just amazed that everything's going on. But last year, that's what I said. D'Amico could be a guy down the road that you're looking as a possible head coaching candidate. I think he's going to be qualified, and that was with the whole pump the brakes crowd. And I should have, you know, I should have been Sark. I should have been all gas, no brakes. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He's going to be a head coach uh, in the NFL, I'm guessing, sooner rather than later. But, yeah, there's been, outside of playing at Alabama, I haven't really heard anything about college. But tremendous job he's doing. I mean, the respect he gets from his peers and the, the way they talk about him, he's obviously doing a fantastic job. How about Alabama men's basketball, man? Going to number one Houston coming up. That was a war in Tuscaloosa a year ago. Alabama. Remember J.D. Davison uh, with the dunk? that pretty much gave Alabama the win there and a defensive stop. And Houston wasn't happy leaving the arena in Tuscaloosa last time around. So it should be a, a spirited environment. Yeah, uh, Saturday. I've seen Houston a couple of times, obviously a talented group. Um, I've seen them struggle a little bit. I saw them struggle, uh, you know, against Oregon and Kent state and back-to-back games. And um, they had a close one. I didn't see with St. Mary's. I, I read up on a little bit. So they're, they're vulnerable, but so is Alabama. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a team that you come out, you're making your threes, and you defend. You know, you, you know. when I said this about North Carolina, I feel that, like, you know, um, which game was it Clowney was uh, – which game was Clowney injured? Was it North Carolina when he landed on his back? Yes, North Carolina. Four, well, whatever, that was the game. He had like three rebounds and two blocks in the first three minutes. I think that guy is such an impact guy. And you saw him come back this past week, very confident. You know what I mean? He's out there. Uh, I know the coaching staff has been really excited about that guy. And, and to have him out there, I think that's going to be a big challenge for him. And he could be, you know, he could be an impact guy. And you watch the last game, they played the, you know, the Jack Rabbits, and it was, he had 22 points. I, I don't think he got a double double, but he was close to double double with, um, with uh, eight or nine rebounds. Uh, you know, a couple of three assists in, in there as well. So he's a big addition. This team's coming along nice. I mean, it's a, it's a team. They're going to be sporadic at times. I mean, they're going to shoot you know, better on some nights than others. I think they're a decent shooting team, very athletic, and they're going to compete. I love the schedule. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about uh, any, any of that's this record at this point in the season. Of course, it's sweeter if they're winning these games. You know, to be seven and one, sweeter. You know, it'd be it'd be nice to win all these games. But at the same time, I think you know you're hitting that that SEC schedule in late December, and I think that, that they're going to be where they need to be uh, by that time. Yeah, getting a couple of good performances out of Mark Sears here, too, especially where shooting the basketball is concerned. They got uh, three or four guys or 40% or better from three right now. Brandon Miller, one of those. No, Pioni, I think, may be a surprise to some people that he is a 50% plus three-point shooter right now, and uh, Sears in that mix as well. So big challenge. Marcus Sasser, uh, you're talking about a – a Houston team, very, very tough defensively. They make every offensive possession for you count. And I think what helps Alabama this time around, too, going to be a lot more competitive on the glass. Got out-rebounded a little bit that game last year. And uh, with what they've added in Clowney and even Brandon Miller with his length out there on the perimeter can get on the glass pretty good. So it's going to be a physical game, man. Might be a first to 70 wins this one on uh, Saturday afternoon. 
in Houston. Hey, uh, Tim, you uh, ready to get into the BOL roundtable mailbag? Jump in there. I think so. <laughs> I was on the road last night. I was seeing some crazy posts. I mean, you know. You know I know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of wade through this. Yeah, go ahead. They had a. Your response was your response was kind of you stay classy, San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they put the question mark on the teleprompter for Veron. I got home and had a gun to my head on a question, and I had another guy fake <laughs> DM stash who is very very funny fella. Uh, had a whole fake DM there, and we I, we did have one. We did have one question um, going into the mailbag, one for the rest of your life, uh, it, because it's Christmas season. Eggnog, candy cane, or fruitcake? One for the rest of your life. You know, I don't love any. Candy cane, definitely, but I tell you the candy cane I love the most is the sweet tart candy cane they've, they've invented. Ah. That's the, uh, or is it Jolly Rancher? I think it's Jolly Rancher. I think Rancher. it's Jolly Rancher. Yeah. Jolly, those are phenomenal. Now, nothing's wrong with the cinnamon. It'll freshen your breath. And all that good stuff. You can dip it in pretty much anything and, and get a taste of it. But I would go with that. I'm not a fruitcake guy. It's always bothered me, even in the movie Vacation. Like, Jello's never been the same uh, from some of those movies. Um, but, yeah, fruitcake's not really my thing. Yeah, eggnog, I know, traditionally has, like, whiskey bourbon in it or something. I'll just drink that straight. Thanks. And then have the candy cane. And I'm with you on fruitcakes. I know it's sort of a traditional thing. Uh, I don't know why uh, it, it has. I have no attraction to it at all. So, give me the candy cane I, I, as well. I will say I don't mind the cake with fruit on it, but like a strawberry cake. And then sure. Throw yeah. Some, throw some kiwi or something on top. Strawberry I'm, shortcake. Yeah. yeah. I don't want a compressed version. No. <laughs> of a cake. No. I don't, anything I can throw at somebody, I'm not eating as a dessert. No. Exactly. Old Greg. Here in the roundtable mailbag, he says, I'll be less than I'll be 40 in less than a month and I've never had eggnog from looking at the ingredients, though. It's basically melted ice cream with bourbon. How can that be bad? I I hear you, Greg. But again, just give me the bourbon. Just give me the makers or whatever. And uh, I'll take care of it from there. And I just put the ice cream in a bowl while you sip on the bourbon, let it melt. (laughs) And that a deconstructed eggnog, I guess, is what. And his username is Old Greg. We're not calling Greg old, by the way. Old Greg with three G's. You know, you got to watch out. Those Gregs with three G's, you got to watch out for. So yeah. his, uh, his, uh, his photo is a little uh, profile photo. It's a little sketchy, too. So we'll keep an eye on Triple. Yeah. Dioshi 23. I'm not an eggnog guy. I don't know if I've ever tasted it, actually. Yeah. Um, well, you go back to the uh, Christmas Vacation movie, you only really see Clark drink it when he's just wilding. You know when he when he gets that jelly of the month club. Well, I think we bonus, just got, and then he loses it. When you get into stuff like carrot cake and eggnog, to me, it's just like you really did a bad job of advertising this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that should be bourbon nog. That should be ice cream nog. You know that's right. Be, you come in with eggnog. I mean, you're you know. You're like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to drink I'm eggs. Not, yes, I saw Rocky drink eggs. Yeah, it worked for him. <laughs> yes. Dioshi 23 here in the mailbag. What does your gut say about the quarterback position? So we got we got it. We do have a gun to your head, and we're getting questions about your gut, Tim. Uh, quarterback situation for next year with some big names out there like Leary from NC State. Do you think Saban goes that route? 
of an established vet or do we see what Ty Simpson slash Jalen Milrow can do? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think you definitely want to see, I mean, that, you know, these are the dominoes you have to balance with this roster. If you take a quarterback transfer the portal, he's got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that's going to take your program. And is, if he just the guy for one year, is it worth possibly running off? Uh, you know, a Jalen Milrow, a Tyler Simpson, two of the one of the two commitments. So they've got to balance a lot of things. There is a talented guy. I would think that was a possibility, if, you know, if he was looking at Alabama. But at the same time, they might have extreme confidence. We haven't seen Ty Simpson enough to know what he can do. I saw him in high school a little bit. I've seen. I saw some practice video. He's a he's a passer. He knows how to throw the ball. He's an underappreciated athlete. He does have legs. He can run. Um, so he's a guy I really would like to see. That's why I was hoping he could play in the bowl game if there's a chance. I'd like to just see what he can do. I mean, I think he's a – I know he's a talented guy. I'd like to see where he's at because it's been, you know, a year since we've seen him. Jalen, we know what Jalen is. Can't, you know, the question with Jalen is can he be a better passer because he's a freak, freak, freak athlete. And he has a lot of things that can work with. Now, whether you can polish that arm, um, you know, it doesn't look like extreme arm flexibility. He's got a lot of tight passes, but – you know, other guys have had tight passes like that who've been successful. I will say this on a side note. One of my biggest disappointments this year is that Jalen Milrow didn't have a few plays packaged in for him in every game, hmm. whether that be Wildcat or whatever. The fact that, you know, he only played basically when he was starting or, you know, I would have liked to seen him, you know, you know, third and one at the 48-yard line just to see what he could do, but – you know, I think it's also interesting too with every quarterback, where does where's their heart at? In terms of the quarterback they are and the quarterback they want to be. And I think for this offense, what's gonna be important for the next guy is accessibility to the entirety of what Nick Saban wants this offense to be. And that's still gonna start with throwing the football. I don't see Nick Saban going back to 2016 or even 2017 with a lot of what you saw with Jalen Hurts in the offense. He still wants the quarterback to be a distributor and get the ball to people who can make big plays. So, uh, you know, we can talk, and I agree. I I think it's great uh, if you have that ability with your legs. And I think both Simpson and certainly Jalen does. Yeah. Uh, But it's going to be who can access – the most of the playbook, I think, whether that's Ty, whether that's Jalen, whether that's uh, someone Ty's else. Dad, Ty's dad's a college coach. He's mentally prepared and he's sure. been for this situation his whole life. So, you know, probably anxious to get in there and show what he can do. Um, and I don't, you know, and of course I don't blame him, but this is the year, you know, you're getting a chance. He'll get an opportunity to compete. And again, with the quarterback situation, I mean, Alabama's did a good job of knowing who to take and when to take them grad, from grad assistants, from uh, from grad transfers to transfers in the portal. I mean, they've known the guys they need to take, and you know certainly the guys this year had an impact. So if they feel a guy – but, again, it's risk versus reward. I mean, if you can get one year of a college quarterback, is that enough to run off other quarterbacks? They, exactly, yeah. They're leaving. That, that's what you got to look at. So Yeah, that dynamic has to be taken into account. Yeah, You don't have to make those decisions, but very interesting question. Thank you. Zach underscore F, uh, here we go with the coordinators. Do you expect Bill O'Brien and Golding back next year? If not, I, I think this is really the question for the staff in general. 
in terms of staff changes, what do we anticipate being the earliest that Saban would start to make some of those changes? You know, to me, the shuffle now, I think it's been, you know, because Auburn's firing people in the halftime of the third game. And, you know, you had that that opening so early, a big high profile opening so early that there's been a few others that trickled in with openings, and then you've seen them filled. I think you're a lot of people. Are, the timeline's usually after after the signing day for the new period. Right. It used to be after the uh, the iron the uh, the the iron Ball game. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I'm sorry, the SEC championship game. That's when okay. everything went hectic. Coaches went on the road. Everybody started jockeying for positions. Right now, we don't even know the dominoes. Still are going to fall. There's going to be guys in the NFL going back to uh, college football. There's going to be guys in the NFL being fired, and there's going to be guys getting offers in college to go to the NFL, vice versa. You got a lot of dominoes are going to fall. The NFL still in the middle of their season. College football, most of these coaches, and it sounds like a cop out, but it's not. Nick Saban is with a different coach every day. There's no staff sit down staff meetings with everybody right now. There's none of that. I mean, you know, Nick Saban will be with an assistant or two in house and with a player. And then the next day he'll be with another assistant. They'll be hitting, you know, they'll be hitting different areas and different stuff. So there's not a chance to sit down, catch your breath and look at the whole big picture. It's easy for us because we're not doing that. So it's easy to speculate right now. I haven't seen anything to think, uh, really, besides rumors, Pete's leaving. And uh, this is like the fifth year, fourth year that we've heard the same rumors he's leaving. I don't think you can really, you know, I had that, that was the gun to the head question last night. I don't, it's, it's too early to make predictions or really know what's going to happen. I mean, in theory, you know, you know, T Rob could get offered the Pittsburgh Steelers head job if it opens. You know, in theory, there's a lot of opportunities. These guys don't even know all their opportunities, they don't even know, most importantly, what Nick Saban thinks. Nick yeah, Saban. there's been some Charles Kelly to Colorado with prime buzz that's been out there. Yeah, so they don't they don't know that Nick Saban hasn't sat down and gave them the end of the year. You know, you did great. You know, that that talk that's going to come after signing day, and all these coaches, I think the vast majority of them are focused on recruiting. I mean, they're you know, again, you had four Alabama coaches. You know, you know, spend the day in Montgomery um, earlier in the morning. Charles Kelly had went from. Uh, uh, seeing uh, Yonze Pierre to the Gump to see the Montgomery to see the kids there, you know, and then drove home late last night. And then you had Coleman was somewhere before he went to. Uh, I think Coleman was with Charles. Anyways, my point is these guys are double dipping on recruits, triple dipping, and some days they got coach with them. So that's probably the best, you know, best thing. So right now, to me, it's just to be determined. Um, I've never, I've never bought into the the guys fired in the middle of the season type mentality not at alabama anyways uh next up in the mailbag dr back or dr back any updates on defensive lineman justin aboigby of course justin about mid-season had a neck injury that required a procedure dr back says would be a nice bonus to have him back next year no doubt about that aboigby didn't take part in senior day activities i do recall that so that could be an indication that uh, he may be looking to give it another go at UA. Obviously, a neck issue is is nothing to take lightly, but certainly I think Alabama missed him up front against the run I while mean, he was out. He was having a really good year, and mm-hmm. then um, you know a lot changed when he went out. Then Young did step up. I thought Byron Young had a good 
had a good closeout to the season. But those two together could have been difference makers. You know, I want to be ca- – I think people – the best way to put it is people are cautious, cautiously optimistic right now. Because at one right. point, I mean, there was talk that his career might be over. Mm-hmm. And it's a very scary situation. And at that point, it was just about – you know, it was his health. Nobody really cared about football. quality of life. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, a neck, like you said, a neck injury is nothing to play with. You know, you start having to deal with that. I think there's optimism that he will be back next year and he will be okay. But again, you know, with the medical issues, you can deal with setbacks or new, new information or, you know, how you rehab, how whatever heals. I mean, there's a lot going on there. I will say it's trending for the good instead of, the bad, especially when it comes to him just living his life, which is out, you know, which is outstanding news. Also, what is the expectation moving forward with Tyler Harrell, the transfer wide receiver from Louisville, who was uh, had injury issues and uh, really didn't see much of the field in twenty twenty two? Could be interesting with him in regards to the bowl situation now with the opt outs at wide receiver and. Uh, he has been trending in a more positive direction down the stretch of the season. Also with Jermaine Burton, too, because they both have eligibility remaining. What are the decisions they make? You're still going to have to consider the NFL announcements coming up with some of these guys as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tyler's been kind of a mystery. I mean, you know, you I think part of it was he, he was an unpolished receiver. I mean, you should have known that just based on what he did at Louisville. Um um, but he had that speed, he's got that Titus Ryan speed, you know, that exterior speed and all that. When you come in injured, you come in a little bit late, you know, you get behind the, you know, behind the chains, so to speak. And, uh, when you do, I mean, it, you know, it takes a minute. I think Alabama fans were spoiled as was I by seeing Jamison Williams step on campus and just turn into a monster. You know what I mean? Like Jamison needed no, no, there was no hesitation, but the big difference with Jamison and Tyler is that Jamison was a terrific prospect out of high school. He was a terrific – he had a ton of potential at Ohio State. And it wasn't like Ohio State did him wrong. Let's be clear. They had Justin Fields, who basically was reading half the field when, when he played. And they had like three or four guys that were going to go first or second round uh, on that roster as well. So, I mean, it wasn't like that – you know, it wasn't a, a talent issue with him. Tyler's probably not as polished. Um, obviously not as polished and, you know, needs to polish that, you know, obviously be a better route runner, uh, had to learn all of that, but he's a speed guy with potential. Um, and if he's patient, if he learns, I think he certainly physically has a lot of the tools you want, but we didn't really get a chance to see him and there's not a lot of film for Louisville. I just know physically speed wise, mainly everybody's in love with the guy. So, and, you know, speed kills. So you got that speed and, um, you know, I think there's going to hang it. You're going to hang in there with speed. Yeah, you just oh, killed you know. Titus Ryan was drafted, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. he played for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's how fast he was. So, B underscore Rich underscore ass with the hoop schedule ramping up with Houston, Memphis, and Gonzaga on the horizon. A couple of questions. What do you guys expect the Bama record to be heading into conference play? Also, this group plays so hard and seems to have great chemistry. Can you speak on what y'all believe this difference is between – this year and last year. I think with the three games you got coming up, Tim, Houston on the road, Memphis at home, Gonzaga in Birmingham, I think if you go two and one from those three, it, it's a successful run. I'm sure, I know, 
Nate Oates and his team doesn't look at it that way. They're thinking three and O that's, that's what they're obviously going for. But realistically, if you're a two loss team to go along with the loss earlier to UConn, as you go into conference play later this month, I think that's, you're in good shape. Yeah. I think if you look at the schedule, I think worst case scenario, you're looking at two and two, um, you got Jackson state in there too. So that puts you at nine and three. And I think before the season, with all the newcomers, the fresh faces, the uncertainty with some injuries, you know, um, um, I think nine and three, you'd have been okay with it. I think now at seven and one, you you know, obviously you'd much rather go in there at 10 and two, uh, which is what I would probably lean to. I think they have a good chance to beat Memphis and Gonzaga. But again, formidable opponents. I felt we should, you know, Alabama should have beat Memphis last year as well and went in there, you know, lost, you know, pretty convincing. So, I do think these are the type of games Alabama's geared up, and there's good rest between them. I mean, you got a couple of days rest between all these games, three before Gonzaga. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I would think that, you know, ten and ten and two's on the table, and the worst case is nine and three, which I'll take walking into the SEC with the mm-hmm. PI conference uh, a uh, schedule, pretty high power rating in the schedule and in the you know team rankings. Yeah, B. Rich talks about the chemistry and how hard this team plays. I agree, and that's going to be put to the test Saturday as much as anything, man, because Houston loves the grind, and uh, Kelvin Sampson teams are physical and tough and will get after you on the defensive end. So Pinch factor, they, you know, they will remember last year. And- oh, yeah, and I think this Alabama team, though, better equipped in the front court with Clowney to go along with Betty Ako and, and they've got some depth in that area. Uh, you know, they had 34 rebounds against Houston last year. I was looking this up 17 of their 34 rebounds for Alabama. That game came from guards. Uh, I, I don't think they're as dependent on that. They, they like to get it from guys like Sears and others, but um, with Clowney and Betty Ako and even Brandon Miller, uh, I like where they're at in terms of being able to get on the glass with this, this Houston team. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a battle. It's the battle you want, you know, you want. And I do think a whole, you got a lot of, you know, it's one thing about being young, you know, Brandon Miller said, I think we're the best team in the country. And I think even after losing to UConn, he probably would have said it. You know, I think there's a, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a beauty in being young and that whole, you, you don't know what you don't know. So I think they're probably going to be extremely excited to go into Houston and, um, you know, play, you know, their second number one team in the country, you know, the second team that will be ranked number one, most likely when they play them, which is pretty exciting. Would have been awesome if they had beat, you know, Gonzaga had held their number one last year and they would have played three number one teams, you know, two years in a row would have been pretty awesome. But obviously a schedule. And I still think they're coming together. They have they have they're going to have stretches. Look, if you watch the NBA or you watch basketball, everybody has stretches. And Alabama had it against the uh jackrabbits where they just couldn't get a buck they were up 20 and i looked up they were trying to hold on the lead at half um i think this team's going to do that and young teams do they drift they get leads they start you know you've seen them we talked about it they've had leads and all of a sudden they're doing alleys with no oops you know they're just tossing balls up by the rim nobody's nobody's jumping so but i think you're seeing more and more of that get better protecting the ball and all that kind of stuff so obviously a good time to be excited jared burns asks with us losing so much depth via the portal. Do you think we mainly go about replacing said depth with recruiting guys enter the portal wanting more playing time? So I imagine it would be hard to replace that depth via 
the portal. Yeah, that seems to be the conundrum that you find yourself in when you spend a year or two developing guys and then they decide based on their current status, they're going to move on for the sake of playing time. And so if you look at the portal, guys aren't in there to say, you know what? I want to go to Alabama and be the fourth defensive end or the fifth wide receiver or the third running back or the backup quarterback. And it's tough because as we said, and and we've seen in the last year or so, Tim, player development has long been a big part of the, the secret sauce for, for Nick Saban in this incredible run at Alabama. And boy, the portal just takes chunks out of that part of your program. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a give and take for sure. I mean, the portal, you know, the portal was built for a Jalen Hurts and a Jamison Williams. That's the two best exam. Although, you know, Jalen was a grad, grad transfer, but that the portal was built for guys like that. You know, Jamison was behind some really talented Ohio state wide receivers. Um, Jalen fell behind two, you know, obviously, a, you know, a really talented quarterback. That's what it was built for. I just, you know, I know this, the portal, I had an old NFL coach I've known for a long, long time. And he, when the portal was announced, he sent me a text that simply said, they sure made it a lot easier to quit, didn't they? And he's right. I mean, if you don't play right away, you know, there's a chance you could hit the portal. If you feel like you're better and so-and-so, it's almost like the little league team, though. And don't forget, you got dads in your ear. You got your boys in your ear. You got, you know, you got so many people going, oh, you're better than him. You're better than him. And uh, that affects this. It became a very impatient, and the impatient world became even more impatient. And I'm one of the most impatient guys known known to humankind. So for me to say that's kind of odd. But, yeah, I mean, that's what you got. <clears throat> you got guys that think they can play somewhere else. And, of course, if you go to another school, they're telling you you're going to start. They're telling you if you're in the portal and you got, you know, six, seven, eight offers, you're going to start. It don't necessarily mean you are. At the end of the day, colleges are going to start the best players. So I just hope the research is being done. But to answer the question, I think that they uh, – I think they'll go for rec- – I think they'll go recruiting, you know, how many of these guys mm-hmm. packed early. And I think they'll they'll dig into the portal and try to find a happy balance. You know, the yeah, the, the middle ground on all that could be some junior college guys too, you know, that are – uh, fine with coming in and competing uh, based on where they've been and, and, and maybe a fortify it some that way. I know that that's been hit and miss, not only for Alabama, but other programs as well. But it's a, a good question and one we certainly appreciate. Tide still here in the mailbag uh, says, uh, I hope you guys like hypotheticals better than Coach Saban. So here goes. Coach decides he wants to remake the Alabama football team for the third time after this season and hires you as his consigliere. Tom Hagen, you get to be here, uh, Tim Watts. Consigliere or am I the peacetime? Because there's there's a lot. Well, you're not. Well, Tom went in a wartime. So maybe maybe he's at. Yeah, I think Tide still is asking for a wartime consigliere. So what changes do you suggest – Nick Saban make essentially if you're Joe Pendry, right? What are you talking about <laughs> with Nick Saban after this season? You know, it's, you know, I can speculate. I really don't know. I mean, when it comes to recruiting, I feel like they do recruiting, right? I mean, they get guys, they get, uh, highly recruited guys. These are legitimate, um, you know, prospects with a lot of, a lot of other offers to sort through. So I don't think recruiting by any means is the issue. I mean, 
to me, I would agree with the with the, the the toughness seems to be different. You know, that's one thing about the old Alabama staff. And this isn't a comment on the current staff at all, but the old Alabama staff had some really old school guys who would get in your butt. Bo Davis was one. You've heard his Texas rant. Sal Sinceri's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby Smart. You know, there's guys that that uh, there was a nice mixture of you know, of guys that would really lay into you. I don't know if there's that many coaches now who are that that aggressive. I mean, you got guys that are younger, um, kind of guys that probably have a different coaching system than yelling. Again, times changed in ten years. Yelling, you know, <laughs> yelling's been become very unpopular. So, I mean, uh, you know, kids can react different to it. I know, you know, I have four kids to react well to the yelling and two I don't yell at because they'll they'll react poorly so I think it's a a balance there but for me I would like to see the toughness um the aggressiveness on the field I'd like to see you know it's true you saw again you know you look you can look at a million examples but I mean even in the NFL you had Jonathan Allen fighting Jerron Payne on a sideline you know what I mean you had you had alphas on alphas on alphas and it's not to say that Bryce Young's a terrific leader Will Anderson's a terrific leader great people you know, be proud for them to lead you anywhere. But I'd like to see a little bit of element, a little bit more dangerous element um, um, out there. A little more edge. Yeah. That's what I mean, I don't want you to get arrested, but I want them to be, you know, I want them to be keeping an eye on you. You know, you, know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Offensively. Yeah, the director of player personnel is is having a peaceful sort of situation that, that maybe your roster isn't what it needs to be. Yeah, and I think you know, for me, it just goes back to the lines of scrimmage, man. Get back to where you're kicking ass up front because you don't have to go far to see the team that's doing it right now, and that is Georgia. And I know people don't like to hear that, but watch Georgia play at the point of attack, and I, I that's where, in my opinion, I've seen the biggest drop off for Alabama. Right? I mean, there's not a Jalen Carter up front. Uh, the offensive line doesn't push piles for an extra six or seven yards. Uh, in the run game. And so that's where I would go. I think we're on the same page though. It, it goes back to, goes back to as much as anything, a mindset, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, this, I think the talent, you know, I mean, you can find a lot of excuses. I don't think the Alabama offensive line was up to the standard we're used to seeing. I do think there were some missed evaluations. I think part of that was, you know, the, the mindset, um, the COVID evaluations, I think, limited the depth. I mean, you had some guys that you just didn't get as much of a, a look at. You know, um, I don't think that offensive line looked the same. You know, fourth and one didn't really feel like go for it. You know, this is done deal. Running the ball, even Gibbs. You know, Gibbs a fantastic player. The NFL is extremely high on him. But even Gibbs wasn't really the normal back you're used to, three down back, right. that you're used to at Alabama. Now, coming in next year – they have Justice Haynes, Richard Young committed. They were more along that line. But that running back position, you know, Jace was coming back from his injury. I don't know. You know, they usually say it takes two years to get to be 100%. Roy Dell has physical tools, although he slips a lot. I don't know. If, I think he's just, you know, I had an NFL coach tell me Roy, Roy Dell's just anxious. I said, why does he slip down so much? It's like he's top heavy. And he said, no, 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 he's anxious. He, like, he's not, like, taking the ball sure-footed and hitting that hole because the talent's there. You know, he's got to be yeah. a – little bit more patient but you know i think that uh the running back game was a little bit different the wide receivers were down i think the offense actually did performance wise as much as it struggled i think the talent i mean the tight end position was a little you know what the best 
Wide receiver wasn't the best. What was the best was the quarterback. And Gibbs was really great at what he did. But other than that, I think he had a lot of holes on the offense. So I wouldn't change a lot on offense other than recruit better players. Thrill Thrill 2K1 says eggnog for him 1,000%. I believe. uh, One for the rest of your life. That's our gift king. Tide Still is also an eggnog guy, he says here in the, thre- in the thread. Right. I'm going to try some this Christmas. See here comes can- Jambama. Jambama says, T. Watts, when are you letting the cat out of the bag with Leonard and May? He-he-he-he-he. <laughs> moron. Yeah, he wants both those, doesn't he? Yeah, that's all he wants for Christmas. That's it. That's the two little ones. Um, like basketball comment, the rebound, and you're right. Yeah. Have she touched on that earlier? That's a good question, a good observation. You got to rebound, you got to defend, got to be physical. And I will say this team hasn't really, like, Brandon Miller's a finesse guy right now. You know what I mean? When he goes to the basket, he's trying to get contact, but he's also trying to avoid contact. There's no just go hit him and absorb him, which isn't surprising. You know, got a lot on the line with his frame. Um, extremely talented guy, but they could get, I mean, you saw the difference. Charles Bediaco had like a friggin', you know, Hulk transformation in that North Carolina game. Cause I saw he looked extremely soft with the ball for much of that Carolina game. And then just went Hulk in the, you know, in overtime, very strong with the ball, very powerful hands, had to dunk. Uh, 14 rebounds, 16 points, or whatever it was. So that's what you want to see them being a little bit more physical, a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, Jawan Roberts for Houston came off the bench in last year's game, 13 rebounds in that loss to Alabama, nine of them on the offensive glass. So Houston had a pretty big edge and second-chance points. That's where Alabama this time around has a chance to – even things up, if not have the edge compared to a year ago. Also, Jambama asked, other than Smith, who is your must-have from this class? He also asked about intriguing prospects from the portal so far. We hit on those a little bit earlier, so I guess more so uh, the first part of that question. I love Smith. I, I do. I think he's great. I'm not sure I don't think Quay's as important, maybe even more important. I mean, you're talking – you think of the linebacker play. The thing I like about Quay is he could be that. Need some dogs. That, yeah. But he, and James, this is not a, this is my argument, eternal argument with these two. James, that line, I mean, the thing about Quay, you know what James is. He is put you down, get in the trenches, kick your butt. We know what he is. Need that too. Yeah. Quay, he could be an edge guy. He could be a backer. You know, he can play multiple positions. Uh, I think he's a game changer right away. Um, in any in any system, but especially in Alabama, and I, you know, I like those days. I miss the, uh, you know, I miss the Dante Hightower, Reuben Foster, and all those guys' days. Reggie Ragland, you know what I mean? Reggie, yeah. Reggie was like a wall. You'd see third and one, and they'd run into him, and somehow he would just. It was like he was a wall. They would hit him and fall to the ground. Um, I miss guys like that. I think Quade Stonewallers, yeah. Yeah, so I think I mean Quay would be the other one outside of James. Um, to me, that's, that's, that's a, I mean, you don't have to, it's not an either or between the two, but since they're there, you're sort of prone to compare, you know, we did this with, uh, Pat Sertan and, uh, uh, Tyson Campbell, who went to Georgia, they were the top two corners in the country. So you kind of compare them out of habit, but yeah, those are definitely, you know, two guys you want to get, especially in state and, um, you know, from, so, you know, not too far away. 
Finally, Jam Bama asks, public sub or Jimmy John's sub? Which one are you going? No, I, public sub, I don't have as much for some reason, but they are really good. Our guy, Josh Newberg, he... Uh, they are awesome. Public they are awesome. awesome. I don't think about them enough. Is the, in fact, I don't think about Publix enough, to be honest. You know, they uh, they have, you know, a pretty good deli half the time. Um, and I don't I don't think about enough. But, yeah, I, I would say Publix is the better sub, although I don't eat as much as I, as I do. I got fam that swear by the uh, Philly cheesesteak at Jimmy John's. They love it. They're good. They're good, too. I, I, I'm a Publix person, although man, if if you want to save money, don't go to Publix. It's it's pricey, but the subs, relatively speaking, to say a Jimmy John's or other places, very cost effective, and you can get the boar's head meats and cheeses. And my only thing with Publix subs is I think the bread's a little much. Usually, it's fresh, it's good bread. That's not to say it's not. It's just a lot of bread. Uh, but for what you get. It it's hard to beat a public sub. Yeah, the subway is too much bread. And I'm going to say one thing before we leave for you guys that made it this far. <laughs> I'd forget, I wanted to mention earlier, you might mention it again, but that new movie that's on uh, Apple TV, Spirited, the Christmas movie for you guys. And we'll talk Christmas movies. Okay. On, that's an excellent movie. It's a really good movie. It's got Will Ferrell. It's got Ryan Reynolds. Um, it's kind of like the, the Scrooge-type movie. With those in it, with a different angle, it was really good for you you guys looking for Christmas movies. With the kids, I think it'll keep them entertained. And I was going to recommend that to you, Travis. We finished the other night, and I forgot to mention it. Okay. I tried to I tried to get going on Amsterdam, the movie, last night with Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. And a little cameo by T-Swift before she literally gets thrown under a bus or a truck. But um, I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't hang in there with Amsterdam. I'm knees deep in Tulsa King. Which we've talked about here. That's with a, Sly. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I, I don't care with these people with their bad takes. Of, <laughs> I, don't care. It's stupid. I do not care. It's stupid. Sometimes, you know, this is sometimes I don't need to think. All right. And Tulsa King is summed up for me like this. Eleven Tulsa Kings wrong. I don't want to be right. <laughs> My wife watched it. I didn't know she'd like it or not. She watched it and she's rolling, laughing. She's dying. The whole thing. You know, it's just one of those shows. I mean, it's pretty easy to. You know, I get it's over the top, but they're all over the top. You know, Toy mm-hmm. Story's over the top. It's toys talking. I love it, <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right. Before we get out of here, Bama Bully's going to take us out with a strength and conditioning question. Do you feel like our staff is maybe missing not necessarily the actual workout of Scott Cochran, but maybe the relationship he had with the players in the middle part he helped create? The team dynamic aspect of strength and conditioning, which it's big, man. I mean, it's where a lot of this starts and I think those that, cold know, winter months. Yeah. I think that Scott Cochran, he's a very popular guy. Um, the coaches liked him. The players liked him. You know, you would think on the surface, if you didn't really know, like you see a guy screaming, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding up four fingers for four quarters. You really would think instantly, I can't, I'm not going to be able to last 30 minutes with this guy. Right. That's what I would think. But everybody loved the guy. I think they loved him at Georgia. I think they loved him in Alabama. I think he's a good guy. Um, he was extremely close with Nick Saban before he left. Obviously, you know, Saban didn't want to put him on the field. That was sort of, you know, I, I think he had ran his course as a strength and conditioning coordinator. But as a relationship builder and a guy that was sort of, you know, got you hype, a hype man, you know what I mean? I think, yeah, yep. Scott leaving that void. You know, you see there's a thin line 
between being annoying as hell and the right kind of hype man. And I think Scott Cochran knew how to be the right kind of hype man because, again, you know, people, when they talked about him, they really liked him. Um, and they still do. You know, when he was going through some personal stuff, he had a lot of people hoping for the best. And I talked to a lot of people. And that's really when I found out how popular Scott Cochran was because people were talking like, I hate that form and everything. They were telling stories. I hadn't, I mean, I knew he was popular, but when he was going through personal issues, you really felt the love for him from all these coaches who were like, you know, basically like, damn, man, I'm, I'm pulling for him. He's a great guy. So, right. I can see that. He can see that being a hard, hard, uh, hard uh, role to replace. But I can't speak to what the strength coach at Alabama's relationship is with him now. He could be just as good. But Cochran, I can see being a, you know, a, he. I can see him being a popular guy in a weight room. So there you go. There's your roundtable mailbag. It was a big one this week, but we certainly appreciate all the feedback. Yeah, they worked us. They worked us, man. And and that's going to do it for the latest installment of T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, we hope you'll do that. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're doing that, that would help us out tremendously as well. Of course, you want to hang out with us right there at BamaOnline.com. Continuing coverage of all things Crimson Tide. And as it happens, be right there with us in the roundtable message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. Enjoyed it, Tim. Look forward to doing it again soon. Absolutely. You guys stay on the round table. Any questions you got, hit us up and there's going to be a lot of stuff happening these next 14 days before signing day. Big time, big time stuff. So for Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, thanks everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.